Thank you so much, uh, Doug and Rachel. What a privilege to have uh, you here with us today. And I'm sure you've been challenged and impacted by the challenge that has come through Wycliffe Bible Translators today. Won't you turn with me in God's Word in the meantime to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I'm going to start just this morning before we read the Word with a to tell you the story of a man, and I might have shared a part of this story before, you, before with you, but the story of a man by the name of Andy, who perhaps in the eight years that we spent at Amelinda had the greatest impact in terms of seeing God work in his life. Andy was a man in his, in his 60s. He was severely disfigured. Uh, he had worked his whole life uh, working as a, as a laborer. He was an English-speaking man working as a laborer in the railways. Uh, he came to Christ, had the privilege of baptizing him. We started a discipleship course. And then one of the elements that we looked at was God's Word. And I introduced that, that morning as we sat every Tuesday morning um, and we explored the scriptures together and explained to him how many people in the world did not have Bibles. And he was very poor. He lived in the back room of somebody's house. He ate with them. His room was run down and broken. He had a bed to just, and, and just a few cooking appliances. It was just really terrible and filthy conditions. And, and Andy had hardly anything. But you know what, Andy impacted me that day because I shared the story with him. And next week, Andy, in his poverty and in his nothingness, came with three Bibles because he understood it. And he understood the importance, even in his simplicity, even in his lack of education. But Andy taught me so many lessons. And he came back with three Bibles. He says, Paul, you told us last week that people don't have Bibles. And here he is, he found Bibles. And this morning, I believe we're going to be challenged through the Word about the authority of God's Word. And you and I privilege, we privilege, God is doing an amazing work across the world. He's done an amazing work through the centuries that you and I have the Bible translated. Not only did God use the Scripture writers, and obviously there's the, the closed canon of Scripture, but God continues to use men and women through the centuries. And we need to believe this, that God is still working in people's lives today and using translators into different languages. And even as our own language changes, that God is still using translators to help make sure that we can still, and young generations can still understand the Scripture and we praise the Lord that God's Word is here for us to understand. In our statement of faith, we say this, that we believe that the divine inspiration and infallibility of the Bible, comprised of 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, as originally written, and its supreme authority on all matters of faith and conduct. And this morning, the question I want to ask for you and I as believers, we have it in our language. We have no excuse. Do we believe that it has divine authority? It's, it's infallible. It's inerrant. It is God's Word, and we have it readily available. What a privilege we have for us today. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. It's a scripture that we know so well, don't we? And Paul, Paul, well, 
Paul writes to Timothy, and it's this pastoral letter, and he writes many things to this young pastor. But right at the end of this section called Paul's Charge to Timothy, and we're just going to read this morning, verses 16 and 17. It says this, Paul writes, and he says, all Scripture, and, and Paul's just encouraging him to, to keep going in what he's been taught, to be, keep going in the Word. And he says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's pray simply as we come, just in a few minutes, to expound that briefly. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this incredible time of worship. We thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the message that has come from Wycliffe Bible Translators. And Lord, we thank you for the miracle of your word in our language today. And Lord, we think of those around the world that do not have this privilege. They do not have the word in their lives as we have it. And so Lord, we sit here this morning as privileged people. We are so amazed at your grace in our lives. Help us to understand the scripture, Lord, to be challenged and reminded today of what you have given us, that we can apply it to our lives, Lord, to the glory and to the honor of your name. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd like to spend the first little bit of this morning just unpacking that first verse, um, 2 Timothy 3.16. And I've got several translations up there. You may not be able to read all of them up there, but I'll read them out for you. The NIV, as I read this morning, says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And as you study the Word of God in your own time, it's, it's helpful to read different translations because sometimes the wording is slightly different. The meaning isn't different, but the wording is changed sometimes, and it's, it's helpful for us to, to understand it more fully. The King James Version says this, All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Isn't that helpful to read that? It's given by the inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. The New American Standard Bible says all scripture is inspired by God and is and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And here's the English Standard Version. I think this is really helpful in understanding the authority of God's word here. It says all scripture is breathed out by God. Isn't that wonderful? That, that is so beautiful. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. In the current climate that's been going for many years, often the Bible and the authority of the Bible is undermined. And central to understanding the authority of the Bible is understanding this verse. And this statement, simply put here so clearly in the ESV this morning, is breathed out. All Scripture is breathed out by God. If we don't understand the authority of the Bible, we will not take it seriously. And the danger is often to pick and choose what we, what we want to take from the Bible and not receive the whole counsel of God. The verse starts for us this morning. 
as we go through it bit by bit. Um, all Scripture. And this is the phrase, all Scripture. At this point, Timothy would have understood and received the Old Testament and the Hebrew writings and so on. But as we look through the New Testament, we understand that even the Apostle Paul, as he writes in Second Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, that even at that point, some of the things that Paul was writing in his letter was already identified as being authoritative and being part of God's Word. And so as we find here all Scripture, we need to understand that that this is included and the New Testament is included in that all Scripture. This is what Peter writes in Second Peter. It says, Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. He writes in the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do, and listen to this, other scriptures. And the New King James Version says, as they do the rest of scriptures. Here's the important thing for us to understand this morning as we unpack this verse. It's the whole of Scripture and not just portions of it. And sometimes we look at the New Testament and we, we dwell into the New Testament. But you know, we need to look at the Bible's the whole counsel of God. And I've titled the message as a letter breathed out, a love letter breathed out by God for His people. And the whole Scripture is God's love letter breathed out for us. And you and I need to sit under the whole counsel, underneath the whole authority of the Word, and not just portions of it. I listened to a preacher in my hometown of King Williamstown of a very big denomination, but a very liberal denomination in South Africa. And this preacher said very clearly that that they believed there was only the red letters in the Scriptures that we need to take seriously. In other words, only the quotations of Jesus that is God's words. And the rest of it are just words by people put together. And we only need to take seriously whenever God or Jesus is quoted in the Scripture. And that's an absolute distortion of the authority of the Word of God. Just to illustrate this, I remember one American sitcom. I don't know if you had this here in the UK, but it was in the 90s. It was called The Ropers. It was a funny thing. And this old couple, and Mr. Roper said he's going to go out and wash the car. And on his way out to wash the car, he was trying to get out of there to go and just find something else to do. And he says, all right, I'm going to go and wash the car. And on his way out to wash the car, he says, well, I'm, just, I'm going to leave out the rusty bits and Stanley says, well, and, and Stanley's wife replied often, but Stanley, that's just about the whole car, so you might not bother washing it. You see, that's the problem. If we're selective of what we do and we're selective of what we take out, we might have a rusty car outside and we choose not to rust, wash the rusty bits. We, we're going to have a very easy job. And if we pick and choose what we want out of God's Word, we're not going to receive the whole counsel of God. Because as Peter says, 
in Paul's letters, there are some things that are hard to understand. And in God's Word, in our current day and age, in the climate that we live in, there are some hard things. The Bible speaks into our day and age. It speaks into the political climate of our day and age. It speaks into gender issues. It speaks into relationships. It speaks into roles of, of in marriages and men and women. And we need to believe it and we need to trust God's Word. We need to trust the divine author and the designer of our lives. And if we don't trust the designer, we have nothing. And the designer has given us his love letter through the word. All scripture is breathed out by God. I love that statement, breathed out by God, or God breathed. What does it mean when it says that the Scripture is breathed out by God? Now, I'm sure that this is something that we know. But I do believe it's something that we need to be reminded of. Because the Bible is like no other book. And some people have Bibles that have a whole lot of other books. And they were never included in the canon because they were not recognized as being breathed out by God. And the moment we take something else and we elevate um, a mission praise book, for example, to the same level as Scripture, we have a problem doctrinally because where is our authority? And the problem is that we need to understand that God's Word has been breathed out by Him. The very fact that it's breathed out gives it authority over anything else. Other things may be helpful and useful. They may not always be true, and they may go in contrary to the Scripture, but the Bible is the one that is breathed out by God. It's inspired. And the word inspired or the concept of God's word being inspired means that God supernaturally guided the authors using their circumstances, using their personality to write exactly what he wanted to communicate. Isn't that marvelous? Isn't that incredible for us to understand today that God took ordinary people like you and I. He didn't take superheroes. He didn't take perfect people. He took broken people sometimes. He healed them. He raised them up. And He used them and guided them by His Holy Spirit to put down exactly what He wanted to put down for you and I today in His Word. That over a period of 1,500 years and using more than 40 authors, traditionally thought to be 35, but possibly over 40 authors, God has given us His love letter, the story of His glory, the story of redemption through both the Old and New Testaments. The marvel is that this is not just any book, but an inspired God-breathed book that has in it a supernatural thread of His redeeming grace. There's that scarlet thread that runs right from the beginning to the end. And you and I have it in our hands today. Second Peter 1 verse 21 says this, For prophecy never had its origin in human will, 
but prophets through human, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. As we go back to our statement of faith that we believe that God inspired the scriptures in its original writings and what we have today is God's word, but we have translations of those original writings. It's God's word for us in our own language, translated as accurately as possible from what we have. And uh, praise the Lord for that miracle through Bible translation as God works through it even in this day and age. When we speak about that, it's God-breathed. Just to summarize, what does it mean? It means that God's Word is authoritative. Who's your authority? Let's think about this really practically for a Christian today, because sometimes we're torn in two, aren't we? We're torn in terms of where authority in life comes from. And if we have the Bible here on the one side, and I may have used this illustration before, the Bible on the one side, we have what the world says on this side. And we're tempted to feel at some times when we see what everybody else is doing, we're tempted to feel, and the world tells us that the Bible is archaic in its instruction, that we need to live according to something that's up to date. The world offers this picture. And sometimes as Christians, we, we're tempted. We find ourselves standing in the middle. But friends, this is our authority. And this is what the designer has said. He said, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to be like. This is my design for society. This is my design for this and that. Not only is God's word authoritative if it's inspired, but it also means that it's true. In a world of untruths, in a world of relative truth, where people are told, well, whatever you want to be true for you, then so be it. That's your truth, but I'll have my truth. Remember, at Emmerlinda, we got to Matthew. I got Matthew to illustrate this, and uh, I've just thought of it now, but I got him to come up and stand here in the front, and I said, Matthew, what color is the carpet? And so Matthew said, the carpet's green. So I said, no, Matthew, the carpet is red. And we, we put on the stage argument, and eventually I relented. and I said, well, Matthew... If you want to really believe that the carpet is green, then, then that's your truth. For you, the carpet is green, but for me, it's red. You see, that's what relative truth is. Is the carpet green today? Does anybody see a green carpet here today? I hope not. <laughs> no. Because this is God's word, this is absolute truth, despite what society teaches us despite what the world says. And friends, the, day, the, the challenge for you and I as Christians is that in a liberal changing society, we're going to find that we're going to, we are going to go if we hold into God's word in the face of what everybody else is saying. And it's, it is challenging, and it's going to be challenging. Psalm 119 verse 160 says, all your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. John 17, verse 17, Jesus prays for his disciples. He says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word 
is truth. It's then wonderful. God's word purifies us. Told in James is like a mirror. When you and I look into God's word, it's like a mirror. So not only is it true, not only is it authoritative, but it's life-changing. It's transforming. Translation equals transformation. And for you and I, we still need to be transformed unto his likeness. When we read and we study God's word, it exposes us. And we see, oh, this is wrong in my life. I need to change. Ephesians 1 verse 13 says, And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. The word of God, because it is God's word, because it's been breathed out by him, it means it's infallible. Despite the apparent contradictions, if you study those contradictions very carefully, they're not contradictions. It's trustworthy, it's relevant, and it has application for our lives. And Paul writes to Timothy, and he speaks in the next part of this verse, and he speaks about the usefulness. And for us as believers, we need to come to God's Word, firstly understanding its authoritativeness, but we, need, we also need to, because of that, we need to understand its usefulness in our lives and need to be reminded of its usefulness. The first thing that we learn here is that Scripture is God's breathed, and it's useful for teaching. As Christians, we need to, be, we need to remain teachable. We need to submit ourselves and be willing to be taught by God's Word. Sometimes we can be so unteachable, can't we? No, we need to be taught by God's Word. Sometimes we need to be rebuked by God's Word. And sometimes that's hard and it's painful, isn't it? When we study God's Word and we realize that we're living something out wrong or we're doing something wrong, we need to be rebuked. And sometimes God's Word does that. And as a preacher over many years, sometimes you'll see when God's Word is doing that in somebody's Life and other churches have old fashioned pews. You'll see somebody polishing the wood as they wriggle in the pew because you know that God's word is busy rebuking somebody and it's making them uncomfortable. And that's what God's word is designed and intended to do. And we should say, Lord Jesus, please change me. If I need to be changed, search my heart and try me. We have to come to God's word like that, correcting relates to rebuking. We rebuked Paul, this is wrong. The word of God's exposed me, and then the word shows me, this is what you should do instead. This is the correct way. Walk in this way, not in that way. Stop going there. Come across. There's a beautiful kosa word. Isi kosa word is jika. It means turn around. Turn. Jika, turn. Rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Because God has intended that we would become more like him. And how do we become more like Jesus? The only way is when we study and we look at his word and we look at his love letter. We look at his design 
I love the idea of a blueprint, that God has a blueprint for our lives. That design. And as we come to the scripture, what is your design? Not the world's design, but God, what is your design for my life? And this morning for us to be reminded of these things, to come to the authority of God's word, to come and say, Lord, if I need to be taught, teach me, Lord. If I need to be rebuked, Lord, to have that humility before God and that willingness to surrender to His Holy Spirit and say, Lord, if I need to be rebuked in the area of my life, and then correct me. Lord, teach me, teach me to become more like you. Verse 17 says this, So that the man of God or the person of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We can't serve him, we can't do good works unless we are living according to the scripture and according to the word of God. We've heard this morning about the wonderful ministry of translation of God's word in our day and and age. It's incredible to think that in 10 years' time, that possibly every people group will have portions of the Scripture. That means Jesus is coming soon. Amen. That's wonderful. But you and I have the Word. Many people don't. And what are we doing with this precious, miraculous Word of God in our lives? I stand challenged myself, even as I've studied this and prepared this. It's a very challenging verse. Timothy would have stood challenged as a pastor and challenged his congregations as he expounded this and shared this letter and shared these things that Paul was teaching him so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What do you, how seriously do we take God's word in our lives? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the scripture. And we pray that as we've been blessed this morning, as we've worshipped together, as we've heard, as we've been excited, we've been moved by what we've heard, and even we've been challenged by your word. Lord, help us to meditate on what we've studied this morning, to go into the world, to go into our daily lives, Lord, willing to be taught in that place of teaching, sitting at the Master's feet. Lord, as the psalmist wrote in Psalm 139, search me and try me and see if there's any offensive way. Lord, help us to be willing to do that before you, for your word to expose us, for your word to teach us, to rebuke us, and then to correct us and to train us in in righteousness, train us to be more like you, to the glory and to the honor of your name. And Lord, the ultimate purpose, that we would be equipped for every good work that you call us to. Oh, Father God, we thank you. May this be our, our prayer today for each one of us. That we would love your word more. 
that our hearts be inclined towards the Scripture, that we'll be excited about the Word, that we'll feed on the Word, that we'll grow by the Word to the glory and to the honor of your most holy name. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Bless you.